Hi guys, and welcome to this episode of the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. I appreciate this is a, a change of schedule, and I'm really sorry. I apologise for this, but we are going to be covering the um, the uh, the Shrewsbury International Comedy Festival today um, because it was it's very time sensitive, and I'm very much appreciative of um, the the uh, good effect that our interview with uh, West Mercia Search and Rescue. And uh, make our river safer with Victoria Island is, is was is very very important to me. We're trying to help the guys at uh, the the comedy festival um, just in time for it to start. It starts this Wednesday as you listen to this podcast. Um, and uh, Neville Street, who's a good friend of uh, of ours at the Biscuit, um, managed to get us an interview with one of the 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 stars of the festival, JJ Whitehead, and was like, we've got this interview, do you want to do it? And I was like, yes. And he's like, only problem is, he's, he's, on, he's on on Saturday. So he's on, this Saturday, as you're hearing this, he's on. So I was like, I had to make the decision and I've put this ahead of the, the river safety. That does not mean that I think river safety is not as important as comedy. I'm just trying to help some people out. Okay. So now that's out of the way, um, I, I want to do, do want to say a special thank you away from this episode, you know, apart from, as, as well as what he's done for us for this episode, Neville Street and and Derek Willis uh, and his family. I bumped into them um, at Loopfest, which you will hear about on Monday. We're going to release our episode uh, co- content that we got from that on uh, on Monday. I I bit off way more than I could chew at Loopfest. Um, I went by myself. If you remember the interview that we did with Jamie uh, Jimmy Kebab. Um, <laughs> I said, oh, let's go to every single venue and let's get something of some some sort of kind from every single venue. Oh my God. We covered three. We had three venues and I was exhausted, absolutely exhausted. So we were at the castle. Um, and on, the way to, on my way to the castle, I was, I was heading towards the Salopian bar and I bumped into uh, Nev and to Derek. Uh, remember, remember Derek? He, was, uh, he spoke to us about art, his show Art, um, that they were doing at Theatre 7. Again, great guy, um, and they they took me under their wing, and they were like, "We're going to the the bull's head. Um, Why you come over us?" And I was like, "Okay." So we did some interview stuff on the way to the street, on the street. I'm sorry, on the way to the the, the venue, uh, we got in there, and it was absolutely filled to the brim. I had a tripod and a rucksack and microphone with me, and trying to navigate for all those people was just ridiculous. And they were very helpful. So, and they stuck with me all night. Uh, we went for some food. Uh, I went to pay, and Derek was like, "I got the bill." So uh, I got a, a pizza from Doe and Oil from them as well. Uh, again, great, another great place for food. Um, so beautiful people, and I had a great, great evening. Spoke to fantastic people. So Loop Fest, you'll hear about on Monday. This episode, uh, we're speaking to JJ Whitehead, a, a very well accomplished um, uh, comedian, comic uh, from Canada, uh, who's now currently living in LA, just over to do some touring over in the UK. So we're very grateful that he's taking a bit of time out of his schedule to speak to us for this episode. We're also really grateful to the guys from um, Shrewsbury uh, Comedy Festival for helping us organise this episode. And the link to buy tickets for this event, which is this week, guys, as we're, as we're releasing this, is in the readout. Um, after researching JJ for this episode, I couldn't re- recommend him highly enough. Um, his his stuff is so, so good. Lots of high energy. He's going to be playing at Frankville on Saturday at 5 p.m. as you're reading this now. So get your tickets in, right, guys? And I tell tell him that the biscuit sent you. You know, give him a high five. And this, you know. 
we'll have to come up with a catchphrase at the end of the episode that you can shout at him and he won't know what's going on but uh, biscuit stuff anyway enjoy the episode guys i'll catch you at the other end jj whitehead on the shrewsbury biscuit podcast Hi guys, and welcome to the Shoes of Biscuit podcast. I'm Alex Whiteley, and today I'm joined with a guy I haven't seen in ages. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> that's Neville Street. I'm Beth from the International Comedy Festival, Shrewsbury <laughs> International Comedy Festival, should I say. Hello. Hello, guys. Um, Nev, um, you and Derek, so, and, and Derek's family, of course, saved my backside <laughs> last night. I was at, we're at Loop Fest, which is, uh, well, as you listen to this now, you can hear the coverage of it next week monday uh because i'll put that together but i bit off more than i can do to 25 venues over 100 acts and i had a tripod in my bag because i thought i could just set up a tripod and and do interviews that way i really wanted to add this romantic idea in my head and then uh, (laughs) we got to the bull's head uh in shrewsbury and it was like sardines i was jabbing people with my tripod you know when we went to the anchor went to the anchor um I actually turned to a, a woman. Um, I, I, I felt her walk into my bag, and I turned to her and was like, "I'm really sorry, I caught you there. I've got a tripod on me." And she just looked at me, and I was like, "No, <laughs> I got a tripod." Oh, on no, 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 no. I didn't. That was a, a really. Oh, I got God. a tripod on me. I got a tripod. That's the new one, isn't it? They all say that. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I was like, I, I, I could, I would happily be like, "No, no, no, look." <laughs> Not look, I mean like the, the trailer. Mm-hmm. Very Leslie okay. Phillips. Um, so today we've got a, a special guest uh, to talk about the uh, the Shrewsbury International Comedy Festival with us, and uh, one of the acts. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a video of his so you can see him at work. Um, this is the clip we have. Take a look at this, guys. So my bank calls me up and they're like, is this JJ Whitehead? I say, yes, it is. And they go, we want to talk to you about your bank account. I say, go ahead. And then what do they do? Then they go, before we do, can you please prove that you are who you think you are by giving us your password? At which point we're all thinking, you, you called me, man. Maybe you need a password. Does it work that way, Mr. Whitehead? We need evidence that it's you before we can proceed. Well, did you not call the phone number that J.J. Whitehead gave you to call? Did you need to talk to him? I think we can assume this is me. We don't make assumptions, Mr. Whitehead. Well, you just called me Mr. Whitehead. There's two of us in this conversation, and we both seem to think that I'm me. So, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. JJ Whitehead. Hi, guys. Well, How nice. you doing? And just uh, by the way, in case anybody needs to know, I've got a tripod. So. <laughs> That's a very little tripod you got there, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Whitehead. Oh, Oh, it extends. Oh, yeah. Look at that. It's, it's a grower, not a show. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good solid five footer. So you know when you know when you say something like that though, and somebody just glares at you a few minutes and you don't realize what you've said, yeah. and you kind of like 
Uh, no. <laughs> backtrack, backtrack. No. <laughs> no, no exaggeration either. It's quite funny. Um, but yeah, so Loop Fest was a lot of fun. I mean, oh. A huge, huge uh, challenge. Um, you know, 25, 25 different venues. Yeah. 125 acts. 125 acts. All in one day. And I thought, I'll just take a rucksack with stuff in it. And like when you're in a busy venue, you can't do that because there's just too many people. We were in the Bulls, Bulls um, head. head. Yeah. And I was getting elbowed and, and nudged in all kinds of orifices. And I was kind of like, I was thinking about like sort of COVID and stuff. I was thinking, nah. could you imagine this scene in COVID? Like, and it's weird how you, how you go back to that, isn't it? Okay. Um, so JJ, uh, tell us about yourself. Where are you from originally, my friend? Uh, I am from Eastern Canada, a little place called Nova Scotia. Little happy place. Um, and yeah, but I've, I spent a lot of time here in Britain. I spent many of my 17 years. I lived, I, my career started in Great Britain. I still feel a great affinity towards the British people. I feel like this is, uh, this is the country that made me really, you know, and made my career. So I've only been, I moved away in 2016. Okay, so. cool. And was was comedy yeah. something that you always wanted to do? Was it something that when did it sort of reach you as a as a as a thing you wanted to do as a career? It was one hundred percent all that I ever wanted to do. It was very hard. It's very hard to admit that to your friends and family, and <laughs> you know, and when you're going to university and stuff. And I always had. I'll tell you what. I moved here in '98, and I had a, a a plan. My plan, being from Nova Scotia, we didn't even have comedy clubs. So all I knew and all I was going by was was like Eddie Murphy, Delirious, and stand-up comedians that were inspiring me on 4 o'clock in the afternoon, like television in Canada. You know, as a latchkey kid, I was getting home and watching stand-up. I wasn't watching cartoons. I was watching stand-up comedy shows where I could, and I was obsessed. And I didn't – I never wanted to admit it to anybody. I maybe told two people. They were never best friends. They were always like coworkers who I got along with. It was that level of a secret. And then my plan was to go do my master's degree in Toronto someday because I knew they had comedy clubs. And I thought, that's how I'll get into comedy. But I moved to Scotland in 98. <laughs> and on my second night in Scotland, me and a bunch of people at the stand at the hostel, we stumbled into a, the stand comedy club in Edinburgh. And the compare on the night said, if anybody wants to try this, contact us during the day. I went down the next day and signed up and I did a couple tryout spots. And then I changed all of my plans and I just, I moved, <laughs> I moved in, I stayed in Edinburgh and I hit stand up hard and uh, I became a professional pretty quickly, actually, you know, and, uh, and that was it. That was it. Then, and then I could tell people. Then I was telling people, this is this is what I always wanted to do. So, yeah, it just took the opportunity. Those few moments stepping up on stage, Joe, I mean, I'm a big fan of stand-up comedy. We were talking before we hit record, like, die-hard fan of comedy. And I, I, I love hearing about the um, people's journey, you know, especially when they, they kind, of, kind, of, kind of sort of break. And there are those moments where they get to go on tour and they get to play the big shows and they get to go on TV and they get to do all these things. Oh, even to that point where you're acceptable, like you just said, like where you're comfortable with telling people, I am a comedian. How many times do you <laughs> have to mess up on stage? And what does it feel like? I mean, you know, that kind of the wins versus the losses, what's more valuable to you, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you oh, take how many times have you bombed? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I didn't I mean, want to play like that. Now. <laughs> yeah, my first, my first bomb was on about my seventh gig. So 
But I hit the ground running. I've said to people before, I won the BBC Comedy Awards in 2000. Nice. So I won. So And that was pretty big. That was in front of 8 million people on BBC One. I don't know if you remember, 23 years ago, the BBC Comedy Awards were on national TV. Yeah. Prime time, you know, Peter yeah. Kay, Jim Bowen, Reese Shearsmith, <laughs> League of Gentlemen, Dune McKagan. They were all the judges. Uh, this was prime time television. World Party was the band. And uh, I was shocked that I won. I was because I was happy to just be there in the finals. Um, you know, I had to compete against people like Jimmy Carr, you know, coming, wow. up, coming up to that event. And then uh, I remember sitting backstage and I remember thinking, uh, well, hopeful, like if I place, if I place, then that's cool because I'm a foreigner. I'm here in Britain doing the best I can, but there's no way that the BBC is going to want me and then uh, they announced me as the winner and uh i was off and running you know from there and then i moved to london and then uh you know and then it just came time to break it to my parents that i wasn't gonna come back to canada for a while and uh so so yeah i i it's um it took some of those opportunities and and sure you you do die on your like i might have won the bbc comedy award in 2000 but i did start comedy the year before, and I died miserably in the BBC Comedy <laughs> Award. So 1999 was not my year, and 2000 <laughs> was very much my year. And then, uh, and then off I went. It's really nice to hear, though, because you know how welcoming us Brits are to immigrants. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. And when you when you do win an award like that, what does it do for your your psyche, uh, your 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 career? Do you have to try harder once you win an award like that? Does it, or does it become easier? Well, I remember um, the sentiment around that year. And also because Johnny Vegas, uh, who did an awards, I think he won a big, he won a, maybe he won the professional, like I, the BBC Con Awards for new guys, but he, I think he might've won the Perrier or something. Are you, he was, he won some big award. And I remember his acceptance speech. And it still cracks me up. And I'm happy that I became friends with, with uh, Johnny Vegas over time. But he accepted the award and he goes, thank you very much for this award. And I want to say hello, hello to all my new enemies out there. Because, <laughs> because there is always a little, you know, there's a little bit of an underlying bitterness sometimes. And some people really value that break and everything. But every little break in this industry is only what you make of it anyway. Nobody's handed anything and yeah, and you know, like I said, like uh, Jimmy Carr, who competed in those things, he didn't win those competitions, but he's probably got the best career of many comics who were around in those early days. So it's so it's not necessarily, um, you know, it's not a golden ticket to anything, mm -hmm. but it yeah. is a it is a a nod. It's a hey, you're you're good at this. We want to support you, and uh, we'll back you. Go for it. You know. I guess it depends. Um which direction you want to go in. Like Jimmy Carr's big on TV now, isn't he? And uh, presents loads of TV shows and, and stuff like that. And some of them may want to stay in the, the stand-up scene and carry on going through that. And then well, he also, being he like also, Kevin Bridges. You know, he, he, but he's definitely a huge touring act as well. You know, like I, yeah. uh, I, he and I were just, we were in Winnipeg, Alberta, or sorry, Winnipeg, Manitoba. Sorry, I was, I just it's did a Canadian a tour. Time. Like I said, <laughs> well, I just did a Canadian tour in, uh, in, uh, so I was in Canada in May, um, and I played Alberta, I played Calgary and Edmonton, and then went through to Winnipeg. And you know, and I was playing a comedy club. I'm playing like that's which is which is pretty awesome, uh, great. Like I'm headlining 
I was headlining Comedy Club in Alberta, playing to about, I don't know, a total of maybe 4,000 tickets over the week. Uh, I actually did 11 shows there. And then and Jimmy, and Jimmy, but I did a lot, so I did, did that. But Jimmy came to town as well, and he was playing the Burton Cummings Theater, which I think is a 2,000-seater. So he was whipping, he, he and I had a beer afterwards, but... You know he's uh, he's a massive touring comedian, and it was him. It was his one of his first tours in Canada in a while. But uh, so you can't uh, like he might be big on TV. That does help you sell tickets. But it's really nice when you get to that theater level. Because I was saying to him, I was like, dude, I've been staying in a hotel in Winnipeg for the, for eleven days. I was there in the hotel, or sorry, nine day, eleven shows in nine days. Uh, I did in Winnipeg to make, you know, to, to play to less than what Jimmy Carr managed to play to in one night. So, <laughs> but, you know, but I also, but I personally, I myself, I'm, I opened for Jim Jeffries on his, oh, wow. on his, on his world tour. So I'm Jim Jeffries opener. And, you know, we've played, I say we, it's Jim, Jim sells those tickets, but we've done Madison square garden and Carnegie hall. And so I do do these massive venues um, and I'll be joining, rejoining uh, Jim Jeffries on his tour after the Edinburgh Festival this year. And that's just the way it works. Because uh, I do one weekend with Jim Jeffries, like we're doing the St. Denis Theatre in Montreal um, on September 8th. And we will play to, um, I think in total, I think we're doing three shows or something, but we will total up about 9,000 tickets in less than 24 hours. Uh, that's with Jim Jeffries. Whereas, and I'm perfectly happy at the level I'm at, I, but I'd love it. I'd love that jump, but I will not play to, I will not sell 9,000 tickets in the, in the month of, of festivals that I'm about to do. But that's, um, those are the two jumps. And I, and of course, Jim, Jim Jeffries has his own TV show, which I write for as well. So that TV pop is always nice. <laughs> the Jim uh, Jim Jeffries obviously rides that wave of controversy as well, which is quite good, isn't it? Because his, his his comedy is that he's he's kind of like, oh okay, <laughs> I love that. Got those kind of laughs where you get a laughing, at, a laughing at oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, when uh, when Kevin and I started the comedy festival, we always said we'd do it until we could put Jim Jeffries on. In the <laughs> really? In the quarry uh -huh. on Tuesday, and then we'd quit. But then we found out how much it cost to put Jim Jeffries on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you have that 3,000 seater for him. Yeah, man, Jim is... Well, we build uh, one, but not at the <laughs> fee cost. <laughs> yeah, maybe he'll have to p play in the castle grounds or something. Uh, but, I uh, think he'd like that. Yeah, it'd be good. But when you, yeah. when you do, I'll, I'll do the... I'll be opening for oh, him. So, because oh. uh, uh, yeah. it's, it's been a really awesome partnership. And I will say, uh, when you talk about the controversies and stuff, it's... Uh, that's one of the gifts that always keeps given for Jim. Like, for example, his routine on gun control and stuff. I love that one. It, <laughs> it's it's now it's now probably eleven or twelve years old. But every time there's a shooting in America, it goes viral again, and yeah. uh, and people. So it's I mean that's a gift of writing a routine like that. Like frankly, well, that bank routine that you just played of mine. That's a that's a lovely one for me that does. It goes viral about once every two years, and all of a sudden people discover me. So there's there will be some. There was just a banking crash in America. Do you remember? I don't know if you guys are aware yeah. of this, but there was a there was a Silicon Valley bank went, yeah. crashed, and a, and a lot of billionaires lost their money. 
And then the next morning, my routine was going viral again. So that's, you know, it's, uh, it goes viral less frequently than Jim Jeffries's gun control routine. <laughs> but uh, but my, bank, my banking routine is out there, baby. It sells tickets every now and then. Do you ever like turn up to like the improv or something like that? And then you find out like Ray Romano's backstage or something like that. And you're like, oh, for God's sake, I just wanted to, I wanted it all to be on me. And then there's some big uh, like juggernaut star in the back room with you. Well, that happens all the time in uh, Los Angeles. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, I mean, Jim's a big star anyway. So, so we, when we make the rounds in LA and stuff, that's, that's always fun. And, uh, but I followed Chris Rock at the comedy store recently. Well, I say recently, it was probably, it's probably been a year or so, but uh, I followed him at the comedy store. I've, I've, I worked with Robin Williams a few years ago. Um, the stars are always there in Los Angeles and, and they do pop in. It's a very, it's a pop in culture, you know, stand up comedy, the way it operates in Hollywood and the city of Los Angeles as a whole. There's a lot of, when there's a celebrity comic in town, they don't really schedule in a stage time. They kind of drop by, get thrown on, which was the case with uh, Chris Rock at the comedy store. I'll tell you, I was, I had a stage time. I was due to go on at like 10 05. They're like, Jay, you're on at 10.05, and it was about 10 to 10. It was 10 minutes to 10. I knew that I was, like, two comics away. I'm ready to go, and Chris Rock rocks into the parking lot. And somebody whispered in my ear, like, Chris Rock just walked in. I was like, okay, cool. And then, sure enough, the showrunner comes up to me and goes, uh, Jay, we're going to bump – we're going to push you back, right? We're not going to bump you, but we're going to push you back. We're going to let Chris Rock go on before you, okay? And I was like, oh, okay, go, great fun, great. And then uh, Chris went on, and he did he, – he must have been on for about 45 minutes. And the thing is, too, at the Comedy Store in Los Angeles, we're all doing 10-minute – we do like 10 to 15-minute spots, right? It's a very – Los Angeles is a showcase city. So whereas, you know, when you tour around or you do these festival shows, I'm sharing I'm sharing my life for an hour with audiences, um, which which I love. We all love long form comedy more than just doing what in America is just these short little commercials of yourself, these 10 minute spots. So uh, I just had to wait to do my 10 minute spot. Chris Rock did about 45 minutes and uh, then I had to follow him. And but it went really I had a really good set only because. I was so sarcastic when I took the mic after Chris Rock and I said, you know, I was just like, and now the comedian you've all been waiting for, you know, <laughs> I just approached the first few minutes of my set like that. And then everybody had a laugh. So I know. That, when we, sorry. Oh, sorry. no, I was just because that happens in LA. That happens in Los Angeles a lot. I know when we were talking about this, this podcast and interviewing JJ, I think you were, you were quite interested in the craft of stand-up yeah. and JJ you just mentioned Robin Williams who and I remember I'm just old enough now to remember when he was in Mork and Mindy and I absolutely adored Robin Williams and I remember that yeah. very famous um, DVD that came out it was a video then I think of him live at the Met in New York in 1986 and it was yeah. like he was he was performing as he always seemed to and a stream of consciousness now how does that work for you? How do you, how do you kind of prepare your shows? I mean, do you have, uh, as, you know, I've, I've been an actor, I've been on stage, so you have to learn lines and you, you and you learn them in different ways and you you know where you are on stage to deliver that certain line. How does, how does it work yeah. for you? Do, do you, do you kind of write an idea script out or is it, 
and then you kind of well, you, you know certain points where you need to change and, and bring another joke in or, or another anecdote. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's two parts to that to that answer, but because uh, I will say you mentioned live at the Met because I got the wrong so. Of my influences, I know I said Eddie Murphy and everything, and when I was a young guy and discovering comedy, and I knew that this is what I wanted to do. But that live at the Met album, that never left my Walkman either. Wow. You know, that was uh, that was such a pivotal pivotal uh, performance, and he was just he was like a Gatling gun. You know, mm. he just was had that manic energy and erupted, and it's those. Those guys are the ones I love the most, you know, like, although like great one-liner comics were around like Stephen Wright and stuff, but I love the storytellers. I love the Billy Connolly's, the Robin Williams, the Eddie Murphy's uh, storytelling comedy is what I always wanted to do. And that's what leads me to the answer to your question, which is what I do is I come up with the bones of a story and then you can, you only, you can't, it's hard to flesh it out on the page. You do your best to flesh it out on the page, but you really only find the great punchlines when, when you're doing it live in front of an audience. And I actually did something new last night, which, which, which I loved. I changed the whole, I changed my running order last night in order to try a new story. And uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if this is the inside knowledge that you want, but I have this story about my dad that I've been doing. It's about my dad and my mom, and I've been doing it, Within within two minutes of the opening of my show, I, I do it quick. It's like it's either my second or third joke. It's really fun. It lets me tell the audience I'm from Nova Scotia and I kind of lean into it. But I went to the to the two shows I had last night. I went to the club with a new idea, a story about my dad, a brand new, never had tried it on the stage before. And because of that, I pushed the I pushed my practiced story to the 15 minute mark. So I pushed this whole, like I'm from Nova Scotia kind of thing. I pushed it later in the show so that I could try my new story about my dad off the back of it. So that's how I, so that's how I did it. And I tried the new story and I'll tell you what, I haven't listened back to the recording yet, but there was some dead silence in there. <laughs> there, was, there was definitely uh, like, cause, cause the, the tried and tested story I do with my dad went great. And then I went into it and then I went and I'll tell you another thing. And then I went and I could even tell while I was setting up the store, I was like, Ooh, Ooh, this is listening a little too long. That'll have. And, but I did get a couple of laughs at the meat of the story. And I remember thinking, Oh, there's definitely something here. Then there was more silence. So I was like, I have to figure a way out. Cause, cause when you try something for the first time, I was where, where, like I almost got all the funny bits out. So how am I going to get out of here? Do I just go ta-da? <laughs> but, but I, but I found, I found something after a little while. So, so the story last night, I would say it went pretty well, but it was overall it was probably about three minutes long. And uh, I think when I listen back to it, I'll be I'll be able to now flesh it out and I'll turn it into a minute and a half, two minutes, and pair it nicely with with the practice story. And that's basically how you find all your bits. You know, like I've got I I've got stories that work. And it's just been a culmination of them being practiced. And when I have a new idea, you you try to tag it or tether it to something that works so that you can so that you can take that confidence that the audience has in you, take that good merit and that goodwill that you've just earned from them by hitting a joke and then milk it and use it for that new idea until you (laughs) until until it becomes uh, something that totally works. 
And you mentioned uh, you mentioned that videos going viral as well. I mean, like we're living in a TikTok era, Reels era. Uh, that's another tool, I guess, you can use to see you know, the analytics that come from something like that. When you have something solid that's on camera, and you can release it, and then you can see how people react yeah, yeah. to it. You know. Well, you you were saying this back the other day, weren't you? About um, when we did it, <clears throat> the interview on the the other radio station, um, we're, we're okay with BBC Radio Shropshire. We're, we're tight. We're cool. They know how it is. <laughs> you, you were talking about, you know, how, and, and you may be able to uh, agree with this, JJ, about you know, going to Edinburgh and um, it's costing comedians a lot of money. Yes, it's costing like ten thousand pounds to get up there to kind of do their show, have somewhere to live, blah 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 blah, and. Yeah people are kind of moving away from that slightly because of the age of TikTok and, and so on, where uh, they can, they can put, put a showreel together and, and kind of start generating income from that and, and, um, and popularity and all that kind of stuff and not having to go and do you know, live shows. And I guess things like YouTube uh, are the reasons why like Bert Kreischer has to do his story about the machine every time. And, and Jim Jeffries, the gun control thing is because those things go viral so much yeah. is that people would love to hear that in, in like in real life, which I always find bizarre because once you've heard it, um, it was, but the, the same thing. I love Ross Noble. Ross Noble is one of my favorite comedians and he does a thing about a child getting bummed in the face, which is sounds, it's a, a hilarious story that he does, but he goes absolutely insane. And he just repeats the phrase. There's a child getting bummed in the face. There's a child being bummed in the face. Yes, there's a child. And he just goes on, a, on yeah, an yeah, absolute yeah. rampage. I would love to see that live. Um, <laughs> do you find that uh, JJ, that you're having to do bits like you mentioned that the bank thing that you do a lot, but do you think it helps? Or do you think it hinders your your? Well, I haven't performed that bank routine in years, so um, so I don't know. I I because and Jim doesn't do gun control. Um, well, okay, uh, this is hard to explain, but Jim doesn't have. I've seen him mock yeah. it before with the Mariah Carey thing. Yeah, and because yeah, he did that story. He's done stories, but when he was doing the gun control yeah, routine, yeah. <laughs> so it all came. but mind you, that said, I'm not. And uh, when I do rejoin Jim Jeffries's tour, his new tour is called "Give Them What They Want," and I do think he intends to do a bit of a greatest hits thing. So he might be dusting it off for that. But but overall, he's definitely you know it's um you don't have to the the store the jokes that go viral you don't have to perform live anymore sometimes people request it and you're left going oh let me try to remember how it works but uh i think that's the gift like once something goes viral it's um i think that's that's it that's the that's the full powerful extent of your joke you put so that to one side joke. well that one worked let's find something yeah. else now yeah i, 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 I want yeah, to jump into the so. i want to see john keeper club Clark a couple of years ago, and he, he and there was a story, and I can't remember what the story is about, but everybody knew it. But he he, he messed it up, and he got to the punchline before huh. the, the crucial kind of lead oh. into the punchline, and they were like, "Yeah, well, we know the story anyway, so great." And they were applauded. You know, he got he got it completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I see, I think that's the case too. Is that I think that an audience, uh, it's weird. It, you know, they say that every rock star wants to be a comedian, and every comedian wishes they were a rock star. But that is one of the difference. Rock stars, an audience never gets tired of hearing the hits. Whereas mm. comedians, if we're if we're asked to do the hits again, we'll probably screw it up from the, yeah. from when we used to perform at night after night, and then we stop performing, and we're like, I don't, I can't remember, and we're we're saying the punchline in the setup, and so that's yeah. That's, I, I I wonder how you feel about this uh, sort of northwest movement 
of the UK where they're um, not going to Edinburgh, but spending that money on a videographer or a podcast, whereas before, right. you know, and there's still a really strong live circuit without Edinburgh. So yeah. what, how do you feel about that? Do you think that's, I mean, something you might go down or or do you just well, love I, Edinburgh? Okay, yeah. I think you um, you hit the nail on the head there. Because mm. I, 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 yeah, I, I understand that and you don't have to do it and I don't have to be here. Um, but I do. I love Edinburgh and the, the, the city of Edinburgh gave me my career. Um, mm. Like I was saying, I so I'm very romantic about doing this. <laughs> And I don't think I will ever stop uh, touring a one-man show and coming over here and doing it. And it's um, like I'm not doing it for the money. I, uh, I, uh, but I, I'm doing it because I, I absolutely love it, and it's and it's where I come from. So, and I already know, like having lived in the American market for I'm on my seventh year now living in America, and I've written the Jim Jeffries show. I've been writing some TV and stuff like that, and. Uh, I know I talk to Americans all the time and, and, and when they find out I'm going to Edinburgh, they're all like, I really want to do that someday. And I'm, you know what? I've looked through their souls and I'm like, I don't know if it's for you guys. I don't know if it's for mm. contemporary comedians anymore. So it is, uh, it is becoming a little bit of a passionate love affair. And I am definitely one of those people, but that's because that's where my, it's where my career came from. And it's what mm. I did. If I was a different kind of comedian, I don't know. I might be doing. I'm, it's like you're saying. I might be just relying on the you know record two minutes of your club set and try to get viral and build your audience that way. But uh, I'm. I think I will always do both in my career because of my history with the with the English festivals. It's not cheap either to to make a, a special. Uh, my friend Eddie Pence. I don't know if you know Eddie. He's in LA. Um, Eddie Pence, who recorded his unspecial special. Uh, released on Amazon. Uh, make sure you check it out. It's really good. Uh, but like, um, it, it it cost him money, a lot of money to to get the get it right. You know. It's yeah, crazy. it's very expensive to get a a good looking special going, and you want something that's going to last as yeah. well. You don't want something that's um you know gonna well because I'm in that realm too now. I've been saying I want to record a new special, and my show right now, my current show is very gag heavy. It's not uh you know the science of a one man show, especially at the British festival circuit, is often a narrative that goes all the way through, a narrative of hardship or a narrative of like, and that's how I decided to learn to dance, or or that's when I found out that my father had died all that kind of stuff they do these like these big long narratives but i'm coming to the festival circuit this year with just some a uh, bunch of jokes because that's all i've done since the pandemic eased i hit the ground wrong i do it's all it's anecdotal but i but my overarching story i've called the show white noise and that is simply a theme much like the don delillo book that was about technology and stuff because if I had to find a theme for the way I've been writing my stand-up since emerging from the from the pandemic, it is that my television was my babysitter during the pandemic. <laughs> so there will be jokes about TV and technology. And so when I looked at my stand-up and I looked at the, you know, at the one hour that I'm that I've been doing around the clubs in Canada and America and now here in Britain, it's there's some TV thematic you know, underlying tones. So, so that's how I've linked it. It's very loose. There's not going to be any big, like, I'm not going to hit the 45 minute mark and go, and that's, 
ladies and gentlemen. That's that's when I made this deep resolution to never watch TV again or anything. It's it, there's none of that. It's just going to be it's just a joke heavy show with uh, with a few links here and there to uh, television and and the and loose I, 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 I guess like going on tour and and you know going up and down the UK. And you know, even as far back, we were talking about the 2019 uh, Shrewsbury yeah. International Comedy Festival. Those kind of experiences, I guess, they, they get you to a, a, a position where you can write something for a special. Or does it go? Or does it go the other way around? Do you, I mean, do you take a special on tour with you, or do you go on tour and then write a special? I mean, how does that work? You go on. I think you go on tour, then you write a special, and when you write a special, you want to take out uh, the stuff from your tour that has only been of the moment. So if you have any references, like I don't want, like I wouldn't want, I had 2019, I think I had some Boris Johnson jokes. When I came to the Shrewsbury Comedy <laughs> Festival, when I came to the Shrewsbury Comedy Festival in 2019, I, I would have had, I had a little bit of Boris Johnson uh, stuff, you yeah. know, uh, like last time I was, I remember I was like last time, because uh, I had moved away in 2016 from Britain, and that was my joke. Was last time I was here, Boris Johnson was stuck on a zip line, and you know, and, that, and now you guys have made him your prime minister. So, uh, so there was a lot of those were all in the first 10 minutes of my set. Now, if I had recorded that as a special, the first thing I would have da- done is sat down and go, "How do I get rid of these Boris Johnson references? How do I get?" Because because you want to look, I think, want to have a special that somebody can toot turn on in 12 years and go, oh, these are just social observations and awkwardness and about the human condition will never go away. So so those are the things you want to pluck from your contemporary touring and, and make something that will last forever. And I hope, I'd like to think I do that. I have four albums and I'll tell you right now, my first two albums, they have stuff that definitely are of the time. And so those are like, but you know, I was a younger comic but there's definitely references to say Paris Hilton or George Bush or, mm-hmm. you know, there's stuff like that on my early albums. And if I had to listen back to it, I'm like, oh, I could have I didn't have to say Paris Hilton. I could have rewritten it and said pop stars do this or pop culture people, vacant people, you know. And I think that's the move between making your uh, making your current touring show where you're talking about say the Kardashians or whoever might be in the news right now and then you and then you make it a little bit timeless by finding the wording so that somebody can listen to it and go oh yeah we have a vacant pop star who's big in the press right now too and that and that makes it um, more relatable for any era the Robin going back to the Robin Williams live at the Met he made loads of references to Ronald Reagan which is still right. funny now, nearly 40 years later. So, you know, it, yeah. there's a balance, isn't there, I guess. Yeah, I but, but the iconic routine from that is him detaching his willy and taking it for a walk, isn't it? So <laughs> when, when you think of Robin Williams live at the Met, you you laugh, you laugh through that whole special. But if but but I tell you right now, I haven't listened to it for a while, but oh, the conversation with his willy. And the Viking helmet. That's yeah. That's uh, and also the one where he's he's in he's he's stoned and he's driving. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, he gets pulled over by a police officer, and yeah, uh, he's trying to eat the ashtray <laughs> to kind of you know kind of save himself up, and then he winds down the yeah. window and he, he looks at the police officer and suddenly he turns to a hamburger and he lunges. <laughs> <laughs> 
to obscure just stuff, you know. I love it. Yeah, anyway, that's the that. yeah, that's the science of going timeless. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. Um, what do you what do you like to see? You know, when you when you're touring and stuff. Sorry to completely segue out. Of that. I was going to go into Lee Evans' talk actually. Oh right, Lee. Evans. I used to have the Lee Evans box set, and I used to watch it religiously every now and again. Yeah, yeah. And like you're going back to like 1995, yeah. 97, 98, and like the Wembley's Wembley tour was just one of those things I could watch over and over again. And even though I knew the the the, the routines word yeah. by word, word for word, they make me feel happy. So yeah, you're right. They are timeless comedy is great. But um, we're moving on to sort of festivals and a festival in particular. What do you like to see when you rock up to a festival? Um, is there something that uh, key ingredients that you like to see? Um, and if they're not there, you kind of ask for them. In. How does that? for you um i don't really know what you mean do you mean like entertainment wise what, or do you no, what, what do you like to see as a as before somebody turning up to a festival what do you think are the key ingredients for that make a good comedy festival oh um <laughs> well <laughs> <'Cause you're> Canadians? <laughs> no because like you were yeah. talking about um, good, good uh, comics good venues lots of energy uh a bit of a drinking culture maybe some courtyards full of full of happy people <laughs> well we, we were talking about we were talking about 2019 and we were saying that you enjoyed the the shrewsbury international that was all i had so much fun in 2019 yeah we had that the room was really fun the room that i performed in 2019 it felt like a it was almost like one like a private room in a restaurant it was like a big like it dining was old, hall. Old Mark. Oh no! Well, yeah, it was Henry Tudor House, wasn't it? Oh, and yes. then the dressing room had that giant table, didn't it? Oh, is that okay? So the dressing yeah. room had this giant oak table, and then, but it just felt it. It felt awesome, and I mean, and the place was packed. You know, everybody was standing on the wall and stuff. I was, I remember, a packed room. Tons of all I had to do was do jokes to push the energy around because they because they mm. put so much energy in the room in the first place. The room. I mean, there's this isn't a this isn't a priority thing because some rooms and some theaters are amazing, but when you're in a room like that, that one, it doesn't always have comedy. It felt like we were turning this into comedy. Uh, we're transforming this place. Uh, it's a great vibe at a festival. One year at the Edinburgh Festival, I performed. It was a. It was still a hundred and fifty seater, but they said it was the University of Edinburgh's president's office. It was like his <laughs> his office place, and it was huge. It was absolutely huge. I mean, I had a hundred hundred and fifty seats in there, scaled up, right, scaled seating. But they told me where I was on the stage is where his desk usually is. So he usually sits. It's like a presidential office. He usually sits at this desk. And has this epic long office, and they gave it to me for the Edinburgh Festival, and gave me rake seating and 150 seats. But I remember the whole time I was there with my my sound tech at the time. The whole month we were like, I can't believe this is just some dude's off. This is the president of the okay. universe office. And we that last time you came to Shrewsbury, sorry, North? you um you did late and lively as well, didn't you? Which uh, we're not doing yes. this year, but you 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 did your our Edinburgh show and then came down and, and did the late unleashed one. Really. <laughs> and that was great. And that was absolutely fantastic. And then the next day me and Tom Houghton did a little tour of the castle and puttered around town a little bit. And it was a really great experience. I mean, I am excited to be back in Britain right now, but I do remember 
and it was really close to the festival, to the Edinburgh Festival as well. I think it was, yeah. I think Shrewsbury was only like a week away from the yeah, Edinburgh was, Festival. Yeah. Whereas this time we're almost three weeks out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was um, such great energy and everything. And in all my years in Britain, I remember playing a lot of the little festivals sometimes. And the one, the one or two times I took the year off of Edinburgh Festival, I would do things like the Camden Fringe. Or there's a nice, like there's a few nice ones dotted around the country, and I remember thinking, "Ooh, this is a this is a really fun addition to the to the festival circuit," and I'd like to I'd like to do more of that, you know. And now I'm, here I am back, and we're really pleased to have you back, JJ. Honestly, you were a standout set that night, so we're, that week, so we're really really happy to have you back. Yeah, let's talk about this hey, year's festival. Um, what what else have I mean? Obviously, JJ is is going to be part of this event. But what else has have people got a lot to look forward to uh, this year? Well, I mean, we've scaled back a little bit this year just because of um, well, ev- there seems to be a lot going on in Shrewsbury at the weekends at yeah. the moment. So you have to be really careful not to clash. And last year we clashed with madness and let's rock. Yeah, uh, it's happening again this year, isn't it? Yeah, uh, um, but basically we just. We book people we like, and um, we hope other people like them too. And we're really good at selling tickets, and we're really good at building an atmosphere. So, yeah, we really enjoy it. It's uh, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night, and um, that's that's what we're doing. And yeah. um, we finished with a sort of live at the Apollo type of night at Theatre Seven, which usually sells out. And there's only about 50 tickets left now, actually. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So by the time this goes out, maybe only 45. Mm, I think there was less than that when I looked. <laughs> was it really? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So it generally sells out. And when's JJ playing? Um... Oh, hey, yeah. That's a good one. I think it is it. Is it Thursday or Friday? No, it's a Friday, isn't it, JJ? Uh, it's a Saturday. 5 p.m. Oh, Saturday. Um, we'll have to try and sell out your your show, JJ. Uh, I'd love to come it, and see you. It, it uh, better. Uh, I, been, I mean, you got me looking at. I'm like, it better be. No, it's, us, but it's definitely us. <laughs> who, who, who have got it wrong? It's just obviously we're. Uh, it's a new venue as well, isn't it? It's at Albert and Co. Frankville yeah. in Frankville. Yes, yes, great venue, really good venue. I think that, that little spot there is such a. So is it upstairs? You guys yeah, are doing it? Me. Yeah, I went up there. They were just building it. They're just finishing building it, getting it ready and stuff. It's a really, really nice spot. So, um, and, and JJ, if you want to, you know, go see this great comedian um, in such an intimate, great venue, then you need to be quick to get those tickets because they will sell out. And I want to come if I can. Yeah, <laughs> you can come. I think. Um, I think the important thing to remember is that if what the the comedy festival works because quite often people come along initially because they they've seen something online or on telly or the comedians and then they usually buy tickets to every show afterwards because it doesn't matter they're seeing live comedy and they're discovering new acts that they haven't seen before and these people might have been going for years but there's people they don't know and they they should people should come and experience comics they haven't experienced before the tv comics are like five percent of the absolutely amazing people that are out there and um there's probably a very good reason why some of these people aren't on telly in fact there's definitely a really good reason and that's not a reason why you shouldn't see them because they're brilliant it's clever really clever no I, i love i love i love going to see brand new acts 
stand-up comedy acts. I mean, when you go to a fringe event, uh, JJ, so like the, the, you got your event, and then you got lots of other comedy acts happening around you. Do you go and have have a, have a mooch and check out what other people are doing? Always, yeah. I always, I love having a look around and catching other other comics shows. So I, I guess the, that's where you get your inspiration from, isn't it? Got I, me, I mean, that's what got me started. When I moved to Edinburgh, like I said, and I started in comedy, I so I I did not know. I didn't know. Like I said, I wanted to. My plan was in the back of my head was to become a stand-up comedian, but I thought I was I was going to do like sports journalism and stuff. That's what I. <laughs> <laughs> that was my excuse was to move to Toronto, uh, study my master's in sports journalism. I was already a photographer in Edinburgh. I was doing journalism. I, I did photos of the city of Dundee's travel guide and uh, the Edinburgh Castle <laughs> guide. I was the photographer. I'm a cre- accredited photographer. You can see Jason Whitehead uh, in the uh, 1998-9 brochure probably lasted until 2003 or something. I was a well-established comedian by then. But uh, that was the game plan, and then then I stumbled into Edinburgh, and then the Edinburgh Festival came to town, and I was like, "What is this?" And and I went, I saw everybody. I saw Ed Byrne, Phil Nickel, Ross Noble, Andrew Maxwell, all people that I consider my contemporaries now. But I went crazy at the at those festivals, and when I when I found out, I I had no idea. I had no idea what I was in for and how much. I was going to love the festival experience. Here's one for you. Can you remember the first joke or anecdote you told when you went up on stage for the first time? Yes, of course. Amazing. Of course I can. I don't know. I don't think you'd want to hear my. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, I I mean, I can tell you, but, but it's, um, but of course I won the BBC comedy award. So that, that, um, so it's kind of still exists in that TV set um, from 23 years ago. And also I was being a new comic um, and being a young man, being a young man, I didn't, this is what we always say about comedians. As you mature, you actually find, you know, things to complain about that are funnier because they're rooted in your soul and stuff. But when you're a young guy, I was mostly complaining about pop music. So it was a lot of lashing out against the Spice Girls or Avril Lavigne, or so it was a lot of <laughs> there was a lot of simple jokes like that, like like why does Avril Lavigne sing about things being what's so complicated? And then I would attack that. So it was so it was a very you know thoroughly a new new comedian attitude. And I remember my opener was about uh, going into a shop and seeing that they had freshly cut sandwiches. And I was like, freshly cut sandwiches? Why do I care if it's got a fresh cut? I care when it was made, you know? And it was <laughs> all stuff like that. And then me mocking the guy, going, we put a fresh cut in it for you. But that would be uh, what a 24-year-old comedian or 23-year-old comedian would find funny at the time. So. And I have to say that um, you got, I don't think, it's, it's impossible to appreciate unless you see JJ live just how much energy and you're you're literally buzzing the minute he comes on stage. He's absolutely outstanding. We were absolutely overwhelmed when he, he came in 2019 and was just so happy to have you back, JJ. I mean, I'm getting some of that energy now just down the down the telephone lines. Yeah, yeah. I can feel it. I've turned. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I, I've been checking out your stuff all day today, and you've got the the, the thing that I love the most in in stand up is when someone goes from from really quiet to really loud, you know. Yeah. And I love that. Lee, that's what I used to love Lee Evans about because he'd be like, he'd be like, ah. Oh, I'm just gonna walk out and then I'm gonna bash my head. And you know, when you yeah. when you really lash out at people, that's the energy that I love. And I think that's what you've got, JJ, that I, I think resonates with me so so naturally. It's not like some comedians I feel like I have to I mean this is a great question for everybody around the table, actually. Do you think your taste in comedy changed with age? Because I remember looking at Tom Segura a few years ago thinking, ooh. That's not quite the right thing to say. But now I'm getting older. I'm getting shorter tempered. I'm getting like, you know, less less patience. I'm kind of like, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of enjoying some Tom Segura later on in life because I, I'm getting a bit older. What about, I mean, we'll go to you, JJ, as a fan of comedy. Do you find like that? Yeah, your favorite comedians uh, come to you when you need them. You know, the, in your in your life, when you're going through something, you're going to discover somebody who's important to you and you can relate to them and then you go with them. So that's and I'm sure that's what happened with you with Tom Zagura. So you saw him. You might have seen him initially when you didn't need him, you know, you no, didn't, yeah. and you didn't relate to it. And then you were probably going through something in your life or something was happening for you and then stumbles in Tom Segura again and you're like, oh, this guy. And then all of a sudden you watch him and then this time you're like, oh, my God, I needed that right now. And when that happens to you once, when that happens to you once, those comedians are yours forever. You know, they can even do something that you don't like years later and you'll still be like, I still love them. I still unconditionally love that person because it only takes that one moment in time when it's the right meeting point and then they're yeah. yours and that's how i feel about all the guys that i love and and women that i love who've done those jokes have you guys time. Comic, comic? no it's a good analogy i like that actually I, I like um i find uh well i think for me my comedy palette has changed i'm almost i always yeah. love musical comedy but that's because music's my background but i i also like people who do things that are less obvious so um, all things that almost make you feel uncomfortable that you think, like, um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Andy Askins. You, you'll have seen Andy Askins, <laughs> won't you, JJ? But there's some Matt, stuff he Matt does. in the brothel. <laughs> yeah. I, well, yeah, that. But the, the way that he, yeah. when he comes on, if you've not seen him before, you're like, does he actually know what he's doing? And it's so uncomfortable and everyone's really worried that he's going to fluff it. And then he does at the end, all these pullbacks, where he pulls all the threads together and you're yeah. like, that is genius, you know? And uh, <coughs> I, I like that watching, seeing other people thinking, Oh my God, he can't do this. What? Oh my God, what are we going to do? <laughs> because um, I, this is my second year on as, as a co-partner with Beth and Kev in the comedy festival. And prior to that, I could watch comedy on TV, but I, I had a real kind of barrier with watching it live. I don't know what it was. It was just something back in the psyche. But last year, we were talking about the, this again on, on, on the radio the other week. Um, when Rob Rouse did his, did his mm. set last year, it was it was outstanding. I, I just, I, I couldn't, you know, it's laughing so much. And he, what he did at that, he started, opened with that um, eight-minute song about, what's it called? Lower Your Expectations. Lower Your Expectations. It was and then it kind of clicked, <laughs> and I've really, really enjoyed. It's kind a beautiful. Of it's a beautiful feeling when it does just yeah. click. It's like, I, oh my goodness! And, yeah. and I, I couldn't. I, I, I wanted to go and see all of the all of the shows last year. Which, which, you know, it's great because I really got back into liking comedy live. You know, it's a mm. real thing. 
on the flip side. I had a I had a Rob Rouse uh, uh, moment as well in my early days of comedy. Um, he, you know, I, I worked with him in London when I was brand new, I was a brand new comedian and I, I have a memory. He played the piano, which mm-hmm. he doesn't do in his act or whatever, but he was just improvising and there happened to be a piano in this club and he got manic and he even went off the stage and found the piano in this corner. And, and I just was watching all of this and learning, learning mm-hmm. that there's, oh, there's no rules. Yeah, we yeah. can the only the only rule is the passion to keep people laughing that's that's it that's the only thing you have to abide by but if you want to throw down the microphone and do something spontaneous you you can you can do it and rob rouse was was one of the first guys that i that i saw do that and and yeah so that always lives in the back of my mind so i i love him unconditionally as well Well, he's playing on friday night i think there's still a few tickets left for him but you you never know what you're going to get with rob (laughs) i've booked I've booked him loads of times. You just don't know what you're going to get with him. So good luck, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so let's have a look at the uh, the the list of, of of comedians we've got. Um, I mean, it starts from the 13th, um, which is uh, Thursday. Which is Thursday, as you listen to this, guys. Um, so you know, there's there's still time to get your tickets in, all right? So we've got Paul Cena. Um, we've got Adam Rowe. We've got Scott Bennett. Uh, Clinton Baptiste. Wow, um, Tom Tom Wigglesworth, uh, Rob Rouse, uh, Alfie Moore, uh, Dave Twentyman, JJ Whitehead, uh, <laughs> Jessica Foscue. Yeah, um, I'm trying to pronounce his I name. Foscue, Foscue. Yeah, pronounce that. <laughs> yeah, doing the, doing the whole radio thing. You know when they pronounce things wrong, right? Like, uh, Rachel F. Uh, Rachel Fairborn, um, Craig Dealey, and Pete Furman. How do you look at a co- comedian and go, "Yeah, this will do Shrewsbury. This will be fine in Shrewsbury." Um, well. No, well, this will do. <laughs> not not this will yeah. do, but like Shrewsbury is Shrewsbury. Right? It's, it's quite a unique town in some. Uh, Shrewsbury's a big comedy town, and um, Kev and I have been involved. Well, Kev's been involved in the comedy scene for 20 years around here, probably longer than that. Kev and I have been involved in it for the last seven or eight, and, and um, we know people, so we ask people if they want to come along, but also we uh, book people we really like and also just people we think are into our sort of vibe you know our our type of people we don't want a situation where it's just you know we don't want any uncomfortableness or anything like that we just want people who have got a great vibe and have got the right sort of attitude towards yeah. it yeah absolutely. yeah uh, and you know do you do you feel like um when it comes to organizing a, a festival in Shrewsbury it needs to be that instant energy or something that you can just you can like kind of, those thinkers like you're talking about you know those people that can make, make you think a little bit and like mm. oh I mean, it all comes together at the end mm. do you feel like you need a mixture of of instant oh, yeah. energy and a bit a bit of a thinker thing or yeah. Do you think, yeah you need a mixture of all sorts and and um you know everyone does something different and i think if you just had everyone doing a similar sort of act it wouldn't be any interesting at all and i think you have to take a risk on people you haven't seen before and i think you have to take the people you enjoy watching every time because what's the point if you don't have any fun doing it as well i <laughs> yeah i mean last year being a good example gary delaney and flo and jean i mean they, they were flo two and flo and joan sorry they were two very very um different acts one was a kind of a musical comedy act and and gary was with this kind of stand, but he had, he had a projection as well, you know. So it, 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 Gary Delaney's the the one liner, the puns. Um, yeah. yeah, he's phenomenal. Punderland, he's been just yeah. been one of the biggest uh, comedy tours, yeah. I think, 
fantastic artist. Um, is there anybody on this on this um, on this lineup, uh, JJ, that you, you know and people that you've met before? You're looking forward to seeing. I worked with Pete Furman last night. So, and he was fantastic. So, yeah, I worked with him here in London last night. Great fun. Uh, Lovely to see him as well. I haven't seen him in many, many years. And so we had a nice little, you know, little little hug when he came off stage, a little catch up. So it was really nice. So, yeah, and I, yes, I recognize a lot of those names. So I. uh, Again, it's it's a. a He's a magician. So, you know, that's a, a different, different thing to line up again, you know. Okay. Yeah, nice. and we've never had a comedy magician no. on before at Shrewsbury Comedy Festival. Oh, that's so it's comedy the yeah, yeah. He's, is it, he's is it a comedy awkward oh, comedy, no, or is it like, very good? He's like, he's all over TikTok and social media as well now, but he's been going for years. He's he a proper, proper bona fide outstanding magician. But yeah. He's just actually he, hilarious too. Yeah, just like a contemporary, he's a contemporary style. Like you say Tommy Cooper, he'll have a little bit of that, but he'll have, you know, he's um he's his own original thing, but he does the whole variety. He'll do close-up, he'll do, uh, but, you know, and he's a linguist, you know. He's a cunning linguist. Cunning uh, linguist. <laughs> along, along with his, you know, the speed of his uh, magic and... and uh, Brilliant. Yeah. Um. Where can people buy tickets, especially to JJ's event? Um, I, feel, I do highly recommend this. I've been watching JJ's stuff all day, so get your tickets in, folks. Well, um, Theatre 7 have got a micro site, so if you go into Theatre 7 and put Comedy Festival, it'll bring up all of our shows or on the door. We find um, that over the weekend we sell loads of tickets on the door. People come to other shows, they love the vibe, they come to them all. But uh, go to Theatre 7 if you're buying tickets to JJ's show before. Um, the day and on the day you can turn up and uh, if there's any tickets left, you can buy them on the door. What we'll do is I will put a link um, at the bottom of the readout for this podcast. Get those tickets in, folks. As you're listening to this today, it's Monday. You've got a few days to still to buy those tickets. So get them in. Frank uh, Frankville up on Frankwell there is such a, a, a great venue. Um, and, and JJ is a great act. There's so much as well to look forward to from the, uh, the comedy festival so there's so much to go but it will go quickly so make sure you get in there guys do it now right as you listen to the podcast you can listen to the podcast and buy a ticket at the same time there's no reason why you can't be doing it now why why, why are you still sitting here go and do it cool. <laughs> see you um, next week jj <laughs> <laughs> <This week>. <laughs> <laughs> you got it um jj where where can people follow you and stuff i'm um, on social media and where are you going to be playing as well as the comedy festival this week um, yeah, I am. I'm on all the socials, but I most predictably on Instagram. I think I've done my best uh, at keeping up on things. The weird thing is that I make these reels and I cut clips and there was even some unique moments from last night's show that I did with Pete Furman uh, that I intend to cut into a reel. The weird thing is they work on every social media platform, don't they? But I will say I think I'm consistent on Instagram, and sometimes I just forget to repost it on things yeah. like YouTube and TikTok. But I'm there. I'm on. You know, you put my name in, I come up. I'm either JJ Whitehead or JJ White Snake. Yeah, sometimes. that's what I saw. I like, so. that's, that's interesting. Mm. JJ White Snake. Yeah, I've got yours, White Snake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is wild in America. Some people think that is my last name now. So <laughs> I thought it was just a fun, <laughs> clever, quirky. And you know what? I was just sick of social media so i was trying to switch it up and then uh sometimes i do arrive at an american club it's only in america i'll arrive mm-hmm. at an american 
Boxing Club and it'll say JJ Whitesnake on the marquee. And I have to be like, no, no, I'm, my name's JJ Whitehead. JJ Whitesnake is just a fun little social media handle. <laughs> Whitesnake yeah. used to be a big rock band from yeah. the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. I get I get messages for them sometimes yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have, I have, uh, sometimes sometimes people ask me to do a corporate or a private appearance and I have to go, are you are you after JJ Whitehead the commit me? <laughs> or, yeah. or do you think or do you think I'm in Whitesnake? <laughs> <laughs> My wife's been dying to meet you. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, and as well, you know, I, I feel like we could go on for another half an hour. I'd love to dive into like LA and sort of like the, the, the scene there, but I know we don't have much time, but um, JJ, thank you so much for, yeah, thanks, for chatting to us today. Honestly, it's been really nice to meet you. You're very welcome, man. Thanks for hanging out with me. Brilliant, and 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 you guys as well. Is there anything else you want to tell the listeners about about the the the, the comedy festival that we haven't already mentioned? Just uh, get involved. You know, it's uh, it doesn't work unless people come to the shows. Yeah. Thankfully, we do. Lots of people don't know that the comedy festival's on, but we do very very well. And I think um, just come, immerse yourself in comedy. Come with an open mind. See someone you perhaps haven't seen before or even heard of before, and just enjoy it. Yeah, and absolutely. get tickets while you can because they're really really hard to get on the actual weekend in fact too alfie moore and scott bennett sold out yeah yeah wow fantastic so you, you're in the right direction yeah um jj will get some tickets sold for you today i'm sure guys go and buy those tickets okay because it sounds like a great event um we'll let you go jj um thank you so much for chatting to us um listeners if this is your first time listening to the shoes of biscuit thank you for making us your choice today uh you can follow us on uh, facebook instagram threads now, have you, are you have you signed up to the threads yet, JJ? I, you know what, I was reading about it today, and I'm already like, oh my god, I can't believe this has taken my time already. <laughs> um, so I have not, I have not shifted over to it. I don't know if I'm going to jump at the gun to do it, but I, but apparently it's easy to do if you already have an Instagram account. Yep, so it just transfers it all over. It's quite good. Yeah. I'll, so here I am talking Instagram. So I'm like, maybe I just push a button. And you can see me it, you got, we got our Instagram and we've got threads too. Uh, we're on Twitter for now. <laughs> Last time we're on TikTok um, and we're on LinkedIn too. So give us a, a follow on whatever your social media you're on. And uh, thank you for listening today. And uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks, Peace JJ. Out. Bye. Peace out. Thanks for having me, guys. Cheers. How great was that? That was fantastic. Um, a little bit of uh, issues with, uh, with a bit of lag and, and the connectivity of it all there. My internet at home is awful, has been forever. Uh, we are trying to figure it out, but there was also a storm that rolled in whilst we're doing that. I don't know why. Why we're living in an age still where uh, bad weather can affect the internet. I'm sure that there's obvious answers towards that, but it definitely affected the show. Uh, you can definitely hear that. Um, as I was asking questions, I'm not as clinical as I normally am. The, the questions are almost questions on top of questions, and I think that's because of the, the the bit of lag that we had. Um, so yeah, the, otherwise I'm I'm quite happy with that. That was fantastic. Thank you, JJ. Uh, thank you to Beth and to Nev as well for joining us. Um, the next episode you're going to hear from the Shrewsbury Biscuit on Friday is our interview with West Mercia Search and Rescue and Victoria Island from uh, Make Our Rivers Safer. Very important episode, especially in the summer. Um, so that will be out for you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really, really appreciate it. One last reminder, just to let you know that the link to buy tickets for 
uh, Shrewsbury International Comedy Festival is included in the readout for this podcast. I'll also drop something on our social media. So I'll drop a link for this on threads, on Facebook. Can't drop a link on Instagram, um, but I'll definitely put a post up there just as a reminder. This um, These events usually sell out quite quickly. Um, but, you know, after speaking to JJ, <laughs> there are some great acts taking part in this festival but i really like jj he re- he's rubbed off on me well um so uh take a look at his tickets and and, and it, i i've been invited so i will see you there on saturday jj's show so so thank you for tuning into this episode hope you enjoy it oh and by the way before we go actually uh, we had some really really nice comments about our episode with the uh shrewsbury arts trail um genuinely really nice comments so if you listened to that episode and you enjoyed it, thank you so much. Genuinely means the world when people uh, reach out and say nice things about us. Uh, it really is lovely. And as well, um, a special thank you and, and shout out to Andy Bell, who's a he's a well-known photographer here in Shrewsbury. I see him at a lot of events. Um, we were after someone to do some professional shots for Timmy because he's doing his theatre thing, so he wants some headshots. And he came and did them. And, um, you know, I, I felt like weird. I asked my wife, is it is it crass to to share the quote that Andy said and she kind of just shrugged at me to be honest but I just thought it was really nice to say thank you because he looked at me and said there's only one condition that I'm going to uh do these uh these photos for you and what and that is that you don't pay because we were ready to give him something uh you don't pay um because the Shrewsbury Biscuit does a great job in the town uh, in helping charities and things and I was just man that's just yeah, that's really nice. Thank you, Andy. That really means a lot because, you know, I know we work hard and stuff, but I never do it for for things like this, for freebies and stuff. I do it because I enjoy it. Um, also, uh, it is worth mentioning, we were at the Lingen Davis Awards last week, um, which is really nice. Uh, we're at the Ulster Street Showground, uh, and uh, it was lovely. It was nice seeing so many great people. I was sat next to Mark Field, and again, we're going to have to make this as a tradition every year, Mark. Um, and Mark, um, myself... Colin Bohr and Ico were in the same category as um, highly commended community, highly commended community champions. And um, the way they do it is everybody gets a plaque to say thank you that they, that they are part of that award, but there is an overall winner. And Mark Fielden won that round. And I, 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 I was blown away to even be uh, part of that but to lose to Mark Fielding it, it just felt so much it felt, felt fine felt natural because he deserves it Chords Crush Cancer is a fantastic event and it brings in local music and it generates lots of uh, lots of great noise so uh, congratulations Mark Fielding and congratulations to everybody that was in that room if I'm, if I'm honest um, everybody that helps Lincoln Davis or any local charity deserves a pat on the back and that was an evening designed exactly for that so well done to everybody i am going to go now <laughs> i've been rambling on for ages uh so friday river safety i'll catch you guys then have a great day folks peace out <laughs> <laughs>